2: plushcarecom slash weight Farm
3: Talk with Dairy Gold Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring. On C103. Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, has officially launched the much heralded results-based Environment Agri Pilot Project. We'll hear what it's all about. The Horticulture Industry Forum met this week. We look at marketing opportunities that are presenting in the sector. Farmers have been given the first sight of the challenges they'll face as part of the Draft to Agri-Food Strategy to 2030. We hear how a Cork hotel is setting ambitious goals to lower its carbon footprint and how a rooftop garden will help the initiative. And John O'Connor has more on the stories making the Agri News this week.
4: Farm Talk on C103. Payment of 27 million euro in 2020 glass balancing payments have commenced early for farmers The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue TD, announced on 20th of April that Gloss balancing payments in respect of 2020 have commenced ahead of schedule. This means, he said, that over €26.6 million in balancing payments are now being paid to over 43,400 farmers who are participating in the Gloss scheme. Minister Maconlough pointed out that this payment of just under €27 million Euro brought the total payments made to date in respect of Glass to €990 million. Euro. He said that means that 90% of Glass participants have now been paid in full in respect of their 2020 Glass commitments. The balancing payments represents the final 15% of the 2020 payment and completes the total payments for glass actions undertaken last year. Payments would continue to issue in outstanding cases on a regular basis. The Minister also commented on the level of uptake by Glass Tranche 1 and Tranche 2 participants of an offer of a one-year extension of their contracts – The extension offered extends the final date of these contracts from 31st of December 2020 to 31st of December 2021. He noted in this regard that, quote, the significant level of uptake of 95% ensured that the environmental dividends being delivered by Gloss Tranch 1 and 2 participants continue during 2021 and that Gloss payments would continue to issue to this cohort of over. 33,500 farmers in respect of 2021. Minister O'Connor said it was also worth noting that a further 13,000 farmers continue to participate in Tranche 3 of this Agri-Environment Scheme during 2021 in accordance with their original contracts. Further information is
3: required from glossandagriculture.gov.ie. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. The Joint Committee on Enterprise Trade and Employment met recently to further consider the general scheme of employment permits. Meat Industry Ireland was one of the organisations contributing to the hearing. The committee chair, Deputy Maurice Quinlevan, stated how many workers who come to Ireland and avail of work permits are employed in the meat processing industry. And he welcomed the contribution of Meat Industry Ireland on the proposed legislation. It was an opportunity to get an update on employment in the meat industry at this time. And Philip Carroll of MII addressed the committee.
1: Uh, I'd like to say, first of all, that Meat Industry Ireland welcomes this opportunity to contribute to the discussion at the committee on the general scheme of the Employment Permits Bill. MII is a trade association with an IBEC representing the primary meat processing sector. Our membership includes a significant proportion of the total primary processors, though not all, and we do not represent secondary meat processing. Our members' processing facilities are located throughout rural Ireland, and the sector employs some 16,000 people directly and many thousands more in linked employment. A typical primary processing plant will generate approximately 100 million in local economic activity and directly employ some 300 people. Employment in the meat sector is based on full-time direct employment and is composed of a mixture of Irish and EU employees who represent some 80% of the total workforce. Irish staff continue to represent the single largest nationality. The majority, mainly European nationals, have worked in Ireland in the year since 2005 after EU enlargement, when a significant number of workers came from Central and Eastern Europe. The economic downturn here halted the pace of EU migration in the meantime and although the economy recovered a much smaller number of people came to Ireland and so the meat sector reached the point in 2015 where it lacked sufficient resources to service important export markets. Through the employment permit scheme the industry recruited skilled knife men internationally to fill the resulting vacancies. Although every effort has been made to recruit here at home The reality we faced was that in a recovering economy where the domestic labour market was tight, there was little or no supply capacity available to meet the growing needs of the sector. In 2018, domestic labour sources had dried up to the extent that vacancies for general operatives were unfillable within the EU EEE economies and the wider agri-food sector, uh, including meat, dairy and horticulture, secured a permit scheme for general operatives to fill the vacancies. Over the period 2015 to tw- December 2019, specific quotas of permits, about 3,160 in all, were made available for meat processing. While employment levels have grown rapidly in recent years pre-COVID, labour force participation has not kept pace with current labour demand, and Ireland's prime age participation rate has never been higher, reaching 83.5% in 2018. This suggests that longer term, additional sources of labour are needed above what labour market activation can provide. In this context, the meat sector forecasts is that international sources of labour will continue to be in demand under the two existing permit schemes available to the sector. The shortages that we face are unlikely to abate as we increasingly find that the sector is competing to attract attention of a reduced pool of resident workers. Without a permit option to meet the labour needs required in the meat sector, we would put in jeopardy hard-won export business, which is now more than ever facing global competitive challenges as we work through the pandemic, the more challenging trading environment arising from Brexit, and the need for market diversification to support the wider agricultural and world economy which are so reliant on the agri-food business chain
3: an update on employment in the meat industry at this time from Philip carroll of the meat industry ireland addressing the joint committee on enterprise trade and employment to consider the general scheme of employment permits
4: mr stephen arthur has been elected chairman of the ifa national dairy committee Mr. Arthur takes up the role immediately, as he had been serving as acting chairman since Mr. Tom Phelan stepped down. Stephen Arthur farms in County Wicklow and is a former chairman of Fresh Milk Producers. Mr. Declan Hanron has been re-elected as vice-chairman of the IFA National Livestock Committee. He was elected vice-chairman last August and was up for re-election. He's a beef and suckler farmer from County Leash. The counting of postal ballots took place in the Irish Farm Centre on Friday, April 16th. IFA National Returning Officer Mr Martin Stapleton said there had been a large return of postal ballots for the two positions. He pointed out that since IFA National Council had decided to hold elections remotely to comply with COVID 19 restrictions, members had responded positively to the new postal system. He said IFA were determined to fill all positions as they fall vacant. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm
0: Talk
4: on C103. Convergence of European Union farm payments, which aims to see money from farmers who traditionally had a large single farm payment go to those on lower payments, should be achieved by 2026 according to the European Parliament's target. Convergence or flattening out of EU farm payments would see struggling smaller farmers qualifying for progressively bigger amounts until the differential between big and small farmers disappeared by the European Parliament's target date of 2026 for 100% convergence. The European Union's 100% target for convergence would see 68,000 less well-off or smaller Irish farmers often in the west of Ireland, get increased cash while 44,000 approximately more profitable and traditionally larger recipients have their EU payments reduced. EU officials and member states have been considering the question of convergence for years now, but the endgame is underway in the run-up to the European Parliament's target of 100% convergence of farm supports by the year 2026. And the European Union may want to see major progress on convergence as early as next year, with full implementation by 2026. The equivalent of over €24 million Euro in today's money would be transferred between farmers if and when convergence was achieved. The Department of Agriculture here has calculated John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
3: Minister of State Pippa Hackett met this week with the Horticultural Industry Forum as part of her special responsibility for horticulture. The meeting discussed ways to progress key issues in the industry. The Minister said it's a sector with huge potential and the discussions were an opportunity to look at important areas for its development, including grower, collaboration, research and development, market opportunities and public policy. A substantially increased budget allocation was secured for horticulture for 2021 with a 50% increase for the scheme of investment aid to 9 million euro to support ongoing expansion and development. The Horticultural Industry Forum brings together the broad elements of the sector including field vegetables, protected crops, soft fruit and top fruit, mushrooms, amenity and potatoes. Well, Tagus Gillith Farm Business Options live weekly interactive webinars took a look at the opportunities that exist in commercial horticulture. Dermot Callaghan in his presentation addressed the current market situation and the opportunities that are there if people are interested. So the market
5: opportunities, um, i want to highlight a few areas. I mentioned the apple sector, 135 million, Uh, Irish production is 7 million, so we can do the math. It's... There's a lot of headroom in that sector. Um, but there are headwinds as well in terms of how do you how do you get market access. Uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm going to talk maybe just make a mention of field vegetables, organic or pesticide-free production. Uh, it's in high demand. It's a growing market sector. It is an opportunity in a market context. So we have to figure out how we how we produce more organic production. And soft fruit, if you look, I mentioned blueberry already, again, that's something that, that needs to be looked at in great detail it is definitely an opportunity um or a potential opportunity um salad crops as I mentioned lettuce leafy greens glasses production so as I said you have to understand if there's a market opportunity um you know fruit vegetable market how do you you know do your market research and you try and figure out how you're going to get access to a market so you need a network or you need a contact or you need to have skills in terms of accessing a market whether it be marketing skills for local markets Um, like fruit and veg production for local markets is it's a big ask because you have to have knowledge uh, around the agronomy and the KT and you also have to be able to interface with the customer big and small and try and 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 have the capacity to deliver uh, a program or a service level that's required by that particular market. So again just to summarize uh, the issue around fresh markets so we have a grower plus capital and then we have the knowledge that's required and then you have production at farm gate Then the the other piece which is not necessarily the case in terms of general agriculture you need to to be able to market direct or have a relationship with a consolidator who supplies the supermarket and who supplies the customer and to interface with supermarkets or central distribution centres cdc's requires scale and volume of production now i would say that the supermarkets are moving towards local supply they're coming under pressure and try and provide more local uh, supply and they have a number of programmes where where they are engaging with smaller producers and, and moving forward in that space. So it's definitely a positive and uh, it should be mentioned for sure. If we look at the vegetable sector, there's kind of two things I wanted to say here. Uh, one is that, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, 160 growers. It's very specialised for the most part in terms of conventional production. We would have seen that the traditional 20 acre producer growing seven or eight lines in the past had disappeared. But maybe now there's opportunities in the organic sector, and there's significant demands for information on scalable organic production systems at the moment. And uh, definitely, um, I would see this as as an opportunity within the veg sector. Um, I just want to point out that the Chagas our Chagas website. So if you Google Chagas Horticulture, and uh, we're the first stop in terms of the search engine, and you'll find a lot of detail um, around vegetable production and all the other sectors there. And I would urge you to. Um, you know, work your way through some of that maybe before contacting one of our five advisors in the sector. Okay, soft fruit, 45 million market for strawberry. Again, this is a good news story. The market is growing annually by 6% on average, which on a compound growth basis, it's a very important sector. um, And it's a very exciting sector in terms of opportunities. So it's not just a case of existing growers expanding, there are definitely opportunities for new entrants, particularly in certain parts of the country. Uh, protected production on the glass and polythene is the way it's gone over the last 10 years. So now we have soft fruit production over a much longer extended season. Uh, so the shoulders of the season have extended. Blueberry, I mentioned, 65 retail value, 65 million. Um, it grow, you know, production in the UK and Wales. There's no reason why we can't have some more production here um, with well-selected sites and the right know-how and knowledge. And some of, the, some of the, you know, automation that has been developed in, in Holland regarding automating, picking and harvesting and so on. Cut flower production, again, flowers from the farm. This is uh, another area where we have massive imports of cut flowers here up to 50 million euro. The euro market is 14 billion. There's a dominance of the retailers uh, in the sector, but we have identified potential market in Chagas for peonies sunflowers, hardy foliage and berries, ornamental brassica, solidago, bulb crops and more.
3: Dermot Callaghan of Tiagask, looking at the opportunities that exist in commercial horticulture. The draft Agri-Food Strategy to 2030 has been published and it gives the first sight of the challenges that farmers will face and the changes they'll be expected to make in the coming decade. John O'Connor joins me to discuss the strategy and its objectives.
4: Well, Barry, first of all, farmers will face cuts to their cattle herd size and new limitations will be placed on
3: fertiliser use. And can you be more specific in terms of herd size reductions and the fertiliser application restrictions? The 2030
4: Strategy Draft document sets a target of 400,000 fewer cattle reining in fertiliser use and the expansion of biodiversity – The reduction in the size of a national cattle herd would facilitate the achievement of the 10% biogenic methane reduction called for in Strategy 2030. Perhaps the development of some as yet unknown new technology, which would achieve the required 10% methane reduction, is seen as the only conceivable way to avoid a reduction of 400,000 cattle and an area the size of Couchy Prairie being devoted to biodiversity promotion measures, probably in the form of
3: set-aside farmland. And how would these figures translate to biodiversity targets on individual farms?
4: There's a target of 10% farmland to be prioritised for biodiversity, equating to about 8 acres per average farm. Nitrogen fertiliser would be slashed by 55,000 tonnes. The area under organic enterprises is targeted to increase by threefold by 2030.
3: So, the 2030 strategy is clearly aimed at environmental conservation and enhancement from what you've outlined already.
4: Yes, Barry, to divide the environment into its um, intrinsic elements, a climate neutral. Agriculture sector to be achieved by 2030, with a substantial verifiable progress to be noted by 2030. Water quality. Agriculture to reduce nutrient losses by 50% by 2030. Biodiversity. 10% of farmland prioritised for biodiversity, spread across all farms throughout the country by 2030. And uh, finally, air quality the reduction of ammonia emissions below 107,500 tonnes by the target date 2030. And
3: the impact of 2030 on cap payments.
4: Payments for farmers under the next cap will centre on reducing fertiliser use, increasing organic farming and biodiversity set aside.
3: Our agribusiness under normal circumstances would be expected to be in the region of 13 billion. So can we speculate on how 2030 targets might influence agribusiness?
4: Well, at least some planners and analysts predict it'll be a decade of transformation for Irish agriculture with the focus switching from producing as much as possible to achieving strict climate targets, which will lead to a loss of production as a consequence.
3: The agri Press in general has been analysing the Agri-Food Strategy 2030, but I understand you found perhaps the most comprehensive interpretation of the strategy in this week's issue of the Irish Farmers' Journal... That's correct, Barry. The Irish Farmers Journal, the journal, has
4: a seven page breakdown of the document looking at its likely impact on sustainability, tillage, dairy, beef and sheep. The journal, in the course of its seven page overview, gives at a glance implications for each sector and online agriland gives uh, comprehensive coverage too. Farm Talk on C103. The results-based environment agri-pilot project, REAP, has been launched officially by the Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Minister McConnell pointed out that land brought into REAP, R-E-A-P, will be scored in year one to establish its environmental and biodiversity status. In conjunction with their advisor, farmers will undertake environmental improvement works to increase the environment value of existing farm features with the aim of improving the environmental score in Year 2. Farms with the highest scoring will receive the greatest payments. Minister McConnell pointed out farmers can expect to receive an average annual payment of up to €4,700, with a maximum payment of 6900 being available. Maximum payment is dependent on a farmer complying with all the detailed criteria as outlined in the terms and conditions of the scheme. Minister McConnell pointed out that this results-based approach has the potential to deliver significant environmental and income gains and is expected to feature strongly as the flagship agri-environmental scheme under the new cap. REAP, he said, would provide an opportunity to test the results-based model on a national basis in preparation for the next agri-environment scheme to follow on from GLAS. The farming organisations have been lukewarm towards REAP as it had been touted as the REPS too. The IFA say for their part, they feel REAP is in no way comparable to the REPS programme. John O'Connor for Farm
3: Talk. Cork North West TD Michael Moynihan has welcomed the opening of the results-based environment Agri-Pilot project, or REAP, saying that it's aimed at delivering environmental gains as well as supporting farm incomes. Deputy Moynihan said it was developed as a key Fianna Fáil programme for government commitment. He described it as ambitious, innovative and exciting that will lead to an environmental good as well as delivering a farm income boost. It is a standalone pilot initiative to help form the basis of the next agri-environmental scheme under a cap in 2023. But not all Cork TDs are so supportive. Cork Southwest Independent Deputy Michael Collins voiced his concerns about it at a media briefing by the Independent TDs on the Climate Action Bill. Agriculture,
2: it's going to be the most affected, in my view, by the Climate Action Bill uh, with a by 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 20, 30, 51% cut, as I said earlier, in in, in the amount of cattle the farmer can have on his farm. That'll be a to total decimation, and it's a a tag, a complete attack on rural Ireland. I've seen in the last week. Um, the new, the REAP scheme, it was the old red scheme being introduced in, in rural Ireland Any farmer with heather is going to be, uh, that land is going to be exempted That means rural Ireland is going to be kicked out This is, this is the Green Party in government These are, This is meant to be the party that's supposed to protect the heather and the wildlife and the love for all this Where's the love now? this new scheme being implemented it's an attack on Irish agriculture it's an attack on Irish farming this climate action bill is an attack and we don't have the the, the resources we don't have the public transport in place to to to, to 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 renew our vehicles electric vehicles all this is all a lovely dream it's a it's a dream but it's coming at a massive price because Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael signed up the government at a serious price and this is the price they're signing up to but this is not. We are not going to allow this happen. We're putting forward a series of amendments, and if they are accepted, maybe then we'll give serious consideration. But certainly, there is a huge amendments needed in this, in this bill.
3: Cork Southwest Independent TD Michael Collins. The Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Pippa Hackett, has issued a reminder the organic farming scheme is still open to all farmers who meet the eligibility requirements as an agri-environment measure under the Department's Rural Development Programme. Applications must be made online via the agfood.ie portal by the closing date of April 30th next. Michael McCarthy, Tiagas Tillage Advisor, joins us to discuss winter and spring crops and how they're doing, particularly now the weather is improving. It's been
6: quite an easy spring there the past few weeks to get work done. It kind of dried up nicely there in in mid-March. There's been an awful lot of work done since and an awful lot of work done quite easily by by farmers.
5: I, I suppose spring
6: crops, there's, there's kind of two main categories out there. There are crops planted towards the end of March, towards kind of after that Patrick's Day date when it was dry that time. And then there was a little weather break and then there was more crops planted Around you know Easter, Easter weekend, and the week following uh, Easter weekend. So it looks like that most all crops are planted at this stage, no, as regards cereal, so that the spring oats and spring wheat and, and barley are planted, and you know early indications from from the merchants and and people would show that the spring barley acreage has has probably increased on last year's acreage. Spring oats and spring wheat staying the same. Most of what's left to plant now would be the the, the forage crops, like so the maize and the bees, which I imagine if we get a good week now, that'll all be fairly well finished up by the end of this week. People may be wondering, you know, where to go from here. Crops that were planted, we'll say, around that Patrick's Day, Patrick's Day up to maybe the 20th or 22nd of, of March. That spring barley is nicely emerged now and it's received fertiliser and it's probably coming due for its, its herbicide uh, quite soon. So what we in Chagas would always have said was that, you know, you target your crop at the four-leaf stage when the fourth leaf is, is, is emerged from the crop. Uh, And this would also coincide with the, with the aphysite spray. But look, when we talk about aphysite spraying and the risk of BYDV in a barley crop, you know, we need to be mindful of IPM and we need to be mindful that we can't always be going to the, to the chemicals for our solutions. We have to consider all the other factors as well. So look, factors to consider at the moment is that Aphid flight in the past few weeks has been very low because of the low temperatures. Aphids don't really start flying or migrating between crops until you get up to that kind of, you know, 13 or 14 degrees. So the BYDV risk Uh, for most has been low all along. But that's not to say that you may not have aphids in your crop and you may not be at risk from BYDV. It requires good assessment and going out into the field and looking at those crops and trying to see can you spot um, aphids. So, you know, as a general rule of thumb, what we would have always said that crops that tend to emerge earlier in the season so that they are emerging in late March and early April are at lower risk of crops that are emerging, we'll say no in mid to late April. It's all down to checking your crop, continuous monitoring. What we would suggest though is that if you feel aphids are a threat and BYDV is a risk in your field, well then it's a pyrethrite type aphicide at the four leaf stage and that will coincide with your herbicide
3: and the winter crops they would have gone into the ground earlier how have they been doing michael
6: winter crops i suppose in the last couple of days barry they they seem to have turned the corner and they're growing away again we we went through a very harsh period there for the past two weeks with low daytime temperatures and even lower nighttime temperatures and ground frosts a lot of people remarked that you know Winter barley in particular was looking, looking quite sick and quite hungry and, you know, it it was and it was suffering the weather and it just wasn't really growing. But, you know, I suppose what I would say to growers is that even though it probably was growing, visually it didn't look like it was growing. These crops do grow just, just that bit slower and, it's not a major concern that I'd have Look, if we get nice heat going forward those crops will, will advance on nicely because you know the, the, the plant counts are there and everything, everything is there to, to make a good yield and we get the growth now that should hopefully happen you know so what I've seen is that you know winter barley in the past couple of years has, has really picked up in colour and it's, 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 it's getting going now for the season you know so they're at the, the kind of second order as we would say growth stage 32 which brings them in line for their second fungicide so we're targeting diseases like ramillaria and we're targeting rhynchosporium and net blotch and i suppose the idea is that we're trying to maximize the green leaf area in the crop so that there's loads of photosynthesis and the crop is going to do its best and i suppose you know second fungicides they will need to go out now shortly and, and possibly if people have maybe very advanced crops or crops that have got you know lots of farmyard manure high levels of nitrogen they may also need a growth regulator as well but just to be aware again just be aware of the atmospheric conditions your daytime temperatures and nighttime temperatures because we don't want to unduly put these crops under stress winter wheat again is progressing very nicely it's nearly at the stage where we'll give it its main fungicide remember winter wheat the third last leaf must be fully out to get adequate control of septoria we would always recommend using a a mix of actives on this to try and get good control and to to make sure that we don't you know select for disease resistance so we're talking about using a a triazole sth program on on winter wheat when leaf tree is fully emerged it's very important that leaf tree be fully emerged and with winter oats winter oats is also going away way nicely, and it's at that kind of second node stage now as well where it may need a, a second fungicide and a growth regulator again i suppose one thing to mention there just on maybe winter cereals, just like the winter barley you know make sure now at this stage that all all the the, the chemical nitrogen is out in the crop so it so it's going to be there when the crop wants it because remember when the crop is in what we call the stem extension phase that it's getting taller and taller every week. That's when it uses most of its nitrogen. So it's a very important that that would be on and so, you know, make sure that job is done. And the same with winter oats. Winter wheat is slightly different in that it uses nitrogen um, over a longer period. So we tend to delay a bit of nitrogen for later in,
3: in, in, in the crop. Michael McCarthy, Tagus Tillage Advisor.
4: Commenting on the CSO Central Statistics Office figures, IFA Grain Chairman Mr Mark Brown said the incomes of tillage farmers could be down 15% for 2020 because of a sharp drop in yields. He went on to say there's an emphasis at government level on increasing the tillage area in this country and promoting the use of native grain and protein crops in livestock rations. But in order to achieve these goals, government actions and policy must support the tillage sector. Mr Brown said some of the current proposals for the next cap in relation to conversions and the administration of eco-schemes will impact negatively on the tillage sector. In addition, he pointed out, a coupled protein payment needs to be increased to encourage increased plantings of these crops. He said the impact of a difficult winter in 2019, followed by drought conditions in late spring 2020, had a devastating impact on last year's crop he quoted the Chagas National Farm Survey, which showed tillage farmers' incomes falling by 15% in 2019 compared to the year previously, 2018. He said the price of quality-assured Irish grain must not be undermined by the price of third-country feedstuffs, which are not produced to the same environmental standards as Irish grain is. Mr Brown said feed manufacturers and the malting sector should maximise their intake of Irish grain. The area of Irish grain production is down 17% from 2012 and without targeted measures and a strategic plan this decline will only continue. Mr Brown concluded by saying the sector contributes over... 650 million euro of farm gate value to the rural economy. It's of critical strategic importance to Ireland's 13 billion euro livestock, dairy, food, drinks and mushroom export sectors. Part of a statement there from the IFA Grain Committee Chairman, Mr Mark Brown. John O'Connor
7: for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103.
8: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
4: The commitment by Minister of State Mary Butler to bring the legislative changes to the Fair Deal Nursing Home Scheme, placing a three-year cap on farmland, under certain circumstances, to the Cabinet within the next two weeks or so, has been welcomed by the IFA President, Mr Tim Cullinan. Mr Cullinan recalled that some years ago, farmers had been told that the legislation was to come before the Oireachtas. The update from Minister Butler, he said, was welcome, but the IFA would be watching closely to see it comes into effect. The IFA President contended that the Fair Deal scheme – As it stood, was fundamentally unfair. It brought huge stress and worry on farm families, he said, with farm viability being lost while they wait on the government to act. For farmers considering availing of the Fair Deal nursing home scheme, they should be aware that up to seven point five percent of the value of the farm could be set aside annually to fund nursing home fees. If you do not transfer your farm to a successor and you need support for nursing home fees, the potential cost could be huge. An example to put things in perspective, imagine you have a hundred acres of land valued at one point two million euro. You also have an old age contributory pension, but no savings worth talking about. Estimate your nursing home cost at one thousand five hundred per week or seventy eight thousand per annum. While you're a resident, this will be funded as follows. 80% of your pension, €200 euro per week estimated, leaving a charge of up to 68000 per annum to the firm. If you're a resident for five years, the cost to the firm would be a minimum of €340,000 as things stand. This cost would have to be discharged before the farm could be transferred to a successor, whereas an early transfer of your farm could minimise this cost. It's hoped the new measures would place a three-year cap on contributions of 7.5% of the value of the farm per year. Fianna Fáil Senators Lisa Chambers and Fiona O'Loghlin say they've received commitments from the Minister of State for Mental Health and Older People, Mary Butler, that a fair deal scheme will change for farm families. The senators raised the issue of reform to the Fair Deal scheme with the Minister Shannon on 19th of April. Minister Butler provided an update that new legislation would come before the Arachus shortly and would protect family-run farms and small businesses through caps within the financial assessment. John O'Connor
3: for Farm Talk. A rooftop garden has been constructed at the Cork International Hotel and will be used to grow vegetables and herbs for the hotel's team of chefs. The opening of the roof garden coincided with Earth Day on April 22nd, marking the birth of the modern environmental movement in 1970. Cork International Hotel is setting itself ambitious goals to lower its carbon footprint by 5% every year by reducing energy consumption and waste. The hotel plans to reduce waste by 15% in the next year and to achieve the goals will be implementing an in-house composting system. General Manager Carmel Lonergan joins me to tell us more about the project on Farm Talk.
0: Well, thanks for talking to me, it's an absolute pleasure. I never thought I'd be on a farming programme or the likes of it. (laughs) So we I suppose we're looking very closely at the last year with regards to our sustainability, our greening efforts and reducing our carbon footprint. And I suppose this idea specifically came from our maintenance manager, Shane O'Mahony, from down Bandonway. He's very green-fingers orientated and he saw an empty space. And it started off with a very small idea of just one bed with some herbs on it. Um, And then every month he's been adding to it. So this month we're focusing on radishes and onions. Um, and because of our location and it being a rooftop, he's very much kind of seen what works and what will actually grow up there and what we, the yields out of it will be as well. So it's exciting and something very different and not what we'd usually see in a hotel.
3: Because of the infrastructure of the hotel there, the need for parking and that, he wouldn't have had the ground, I suppose, around it to do this project.
0: No, we're very much surrounded by business park on one side, airport on the other side. And on the roof that we are, there's quite an open space up there. And it actually overlooks a lovely farm as well. So it really, there is no space on the ground. It really is only what we have on our roof where we can actually manage anything.
3: But it wouldn't be the first of its kind. We've had quite a number of rooftop projects now, (laughs) even in the recent past. But for yourselves there, getting this idea off the ground must have been hard enough
0: everything you do at the moment is is an effort and a lot of people on reduced hours. So, but it's about the engagement of the team as well and people's passions. So Shane's passion for gardening and being outdoors, we wanted to encourage him to bring that to work as well. um, And just kind of use whatever space we have, because we are limited in that. So it's really trying to get as much use and make fun of everything that we do as well and inspire people to do that. And there's some great rooftops in, in Cork. I know there's one in Cork, especially in the city And they're doing amazing work. And so we took a little bit of inspiration from that as well.
3: Yeah, that's Brian McCarthy's rooftop Mm -hmm. garden there off Corn Market Street, which has been doing exceptionally well. I suppose for you, it's a bit of trial and error at the moment, is it? Like it Er was for Brian to try and get it up and running.
0: Absolutely. So it's a case of every week we're looking to see what's actually growing up there. Keeping an eye out for the frost as well, because that's actually um, killed a couple of things for the last few weeks when it came. Um, So it is trial and error. We're going to be adding to it um, over the coming months um, once we get things going. Um, And we've also had some of our actually suppliers locally, when they saw it in the press, give us a call and actually offer to send us more herbs and more things to trial up there, which is fantastic. The cult community is getting involved.
3: Now, I know that you'll be using a lot of the product there in the hotel itself. Mm -hmm. So what kind of plans have you got for that?
0: So I suppose a lot of it will come back to our kitchen. Our head chef, Crystal Sullivan, is also very... um, he's very passionate about kind of the earth and what you can get from that and foraging. We recently actually did a nettle soup for an award ceremony. So anything that's going to be grown up there is going to be going back down to our kitchen and into our bar for our cocktail service. So everything will be used. And we're also going to be setting up a composting system as well that we can use back up on the garden too. So it, it's that sustainability, growing and using everything you can across the hotel and the garden.
3: And of course, it's all part of the wider aspect of the carbon footprint there at the mm-hmm. hotel, which you're really embarking on big time now as we look forward yes. to all that reopening again after COVID.
0: Yes, absolutely. There was a figure that was in the media internationally recently that tourism accounts for 8, 8% of um, the environment and what they put back in. So... When that opens up, we're trying to just make ourselves as neutral as possible. Like a five-year goal is to be carbon neutral. Um, Within one year, we're hoping to reduce our carbon footprint by 5% and get that up to 15% by year two. So um, we're working with a company called Fifty Shades Greener who's given us some great training um, and great ideas on how to do that. And then... Listen, we're beside an airport, so we're kind of trying to balance the effects and the environment, but what we do also.
3: And and on the wider picture of the business and all the planning that you have to do now for reopening. Yes. I'm sure it's a difficult time, but looking ahead, you have to be positive.
0: Absolutely. We're extremely positive. We've some great plans in place. Um, we're in the recruitment stage at the moment. So um we are recruiting um, we've got about sixty people to recruit across Hotels and Hotels in Cork. And we have we're expecting, I suppose, June to be an opening date whether that's the beginning of June or later in June Um, and just we have people looking to book rooms as it is so everybody's just really excited to get open what's happened in the past has happened in the past we're just looking forward now and I think that's what everybody wants to do nobody wants to look back and see what didn't happen, so it's the focus is on the summer and making sure everybody gets out and has a lovely holiday in Ireland.
3: Well we have a lot of experts involved with this programme, contributors Carmel, so I hope that if they feel like getting in touch and helping you there that they might. I
0: will welcome any tips or if anybody has any feedback or if they recommend anything that could grow on a roof up in a mountain beside Cork Airport we'll happily listen to it and take some tips on board.
3: Carmel Lonegan General Manager of the Cork International Hotel and the best of luck with that project. Next Monday, we'll see a further easing of COVID restrictions with the return of outdoor attractions, zoos, wildlife parks and heritage sites among them. One of the attractions looking forward to welcoming people again is Leahy's Open Farm in Dungourney, just outside Middleton. Manager Donna Leahy told C103 reporter Katie O'Keeffe for Farm Talk that they're looking forward to reopening the gates to the
7: public. Leahy's Farm is a, it's a tourist attraction, basically, so it's where families can come but it's about education as well so small kids especially and families and elderly as well can learn about how farming works and um, we milk Maisie the cow every day on the farm or we're due to start milking her next in two weeks time when she has her, her baby calf and it's about how milk is produced and it's a family day out basically for, for the whole family I suppose from the moment they come in there's playgrounds there's activities going on throughout the day there's coffee shop there's the ice cream and chocolate factory where they can see the ice cream and chocolate being made old fair museums and houses which is really important as well to the farm it's, it gives the whole farm its purpose um, it's, it's like it's tradition you can see where my where where i was born where my father was born in the old house and the farm And that's really important as well so and there's loads of activities there's quad and barrel train rides there's real jcb diggers that the kids can drive there's a tractor and trailer ride starting this year as well so there's there's loads of activities we have been closed with in this lockdown since january so we did not expect to be closed this long even though the animals aren't really bothered if there's somebody on the farm or not. I suppose they do miss the public, but I suppose we went from a staff of 80 down to just myself and my father who's 81 years old on the farm. Just looking after the animals and doing the bare, the basics, the bare essentials. Um, So it has been tough. Financially it has been very tough. Um, But we cannot wait to reopen.
3: Manager Donna Leahy, Leahy's Open Farm in Dungourney. For our weekly update on Macra events in Cork this week, we're joined by Ashling Walsh, Shantoon Makra Macra, PRO.
8: This Saturday night, we'll be participating in the national finals for the National Talent Competition. We will be represented by 5 acts: Meg O'Sullivan for solo instrumental, Ashling Walsh in the Irish Dance category, UCC Mockra for the Ballet Category and TikTok Dance Challenge, and Gillian Kennedy in the Mastermind. Very best. best of luck to all taking part. The winner from each category will receive a €50 Euro one for all voucher, and the overall winner will be voted by the public. They will receive a €100 Euro one for all voucher. Please tune in and support our acts on Saturday night. Well done to Glenmire Makras, Patrick Keeley and Balling colleague Makra reached the national finals in the radio drama competition this year. The six clubs taking part nationally this year. I wish them all the best of luck in the national finals. You can listen to each entry on the national Facebook page. Well done to everyone who's, who has completed our Couch to 5K challenge, which was a nine-week event. Thanks a million to our social officer, Selena O'Donovan, who organised this event. Tune for upcoming events such as Kinsale Mocker's Darkness Into Light for Pieta House. This will be taking place on the 8th of May and there'll be a donation page also.
3: Thanks to Ashling Walsh, Shandoon Makra, PRO. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold, Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring.
0: On C103.